Last week, um, I continued with the topic of the concept of the nations of the world. You know, how it originated, um, because obviously in the beginning there was only one man, so how did that originate, the whole concept of nations? And I, I hope I went through it pretty thoroughly, I mean, um, uh, in terms of, um, you know, what the, what the situation then was, and what the situation now is, and so on, you know. <clears throat> and uh, so, what I want to do today, again, is complete the idea, which I think is very important, so you really get a feeling of what's happening today as a result of the whole concept of nations. That's what I want to do. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> one of the things which is very interesting, uh, and it's really current events, that's what it is, that if we look at something that happened 4,000 years ago, we can actually understand things happening today. Because if you think about it, it's the same plan. plan doesn't change. It's just different phases or stages of the plan. So if you understand the plan which was initiated originally with Adam Mauritian, he was the first man, obviously, you know, uh, there are certain what's called necessities which were put into place then which is thousands of years ago, and which uh, can explain certain uh, events which have taken place relatively, uh, you know, na now, <coughs> and so on. Um, and, um, and I want to talk about, uh, certainly about that, um, because, like I said, you know, something which happened thousands of years ago, in many ways is actually responsible for things happening today. Now, one of the things that I had mentioned was because the, the, the uh, mankind at a certain period, which is the 2,000 years before Avram Avinu, right? That I mentioned that God wanted mankind to return to the stage that, uh, of Adam Rishon before the sin. Because that's, in that way, he's really, Adam before the sin... <coughs> was of a spirituality of which we cannot even believe. It's incomprehensible to us who he was, and so on. Uh, so therefore, you know, he failed. In fact, we can distinguish, basically, different stages of man based on the fact that he started off in a spiritual state. We can distinguish between what's called Odom HaSholem, that's man in Ulam Habo. So therefore, man at that point in time is perfect, he's perfected. He has completed everything required of him spiritually, and he is now eternally in the future world. So that's one stage of man, but that's obviously the end stage of man. But it is one of the stages of man, one of his states actually, you know. Uh, <clears throat> then you had, and I'm proceeding actually uh, later and later, and then you have uh, Odom before the sin. I had mentioned Odom before the sin was of a spiritual stature which we have no comprehension. Because I mentioned that even the Malachim, the angels, started singing Shira, song, praising to him, because they thought he was some type of deity, which just shows you, and then the Malachim themselves, we have no comprehension about who they are. So could you imagine if they're looking up to Adam and they think that 
he is some type of a deity. Imagine who Adam was. <clears throat> so Adam is created at a certain level, which is incredibly <coughs> spiritual. And in his, it is his job to pass a test, which of course was the tree having forbidden whatever it was, uh, forbidden fruit, wheat, whatever the Chazal have different uh, uh, understandings of what the, what he was, the tree was uh, situated in terms of what he was not supposed to eat. Anyway, <coughs> so if he would have passed that test, like I said, then he would have elevated himself <coughs> to a stage of uh, basically Olam Haba. In other words, he would have gone from spiritual to spiritual. However, and of course, as I mentioned, he would have had descendants at that stage and they would have shared in his state uh, in the future world, Olam Haba. He failed and therefore he fell. And when he fell, he fell and became physical really physical, the way we are physical. But not only that, he also fell not only into a physical world and became physical, um, but he also uh, became uh, pervaded by the Zoyama of the Nochash. In other words, he now fell into a world that is inhabited by a, 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 an angel, a Malach, that in and of itself is incredibly evil. He knows he's always trying to get man to sin. And, you know, I'm just leaving out ideas in terms of who the Sutton was before the sin, who he was after the sin. But the basic idea is that he now fell into a world of which there is tremendous amount of zoyama. Zoyama, of course, is pollution or contamination. And this is where Adam is located. So his first stage is where he's now perfected. That's Adam Abba, future world. Second stage is where he is now, he's deficient of Elam Haba, he's Adam before the sin. The next stage is Adam after the sin, where he becomes material. Then another stage, even though they really happen simultaneously with him becoming physical, is Adam pervaded by the Zoyama of the Satan, pervaded by this incredible f contaminating force that is projected by the Satan himself. And the last stage, uh, and so that reduces him to a tremendous amount of um, temptations. And the last stage is where he sins himself. Man sins further, and that creates what's called kilkul. So he adds to the dominion or the domination of the satan uh, in terms of who he is. So you have all these types of stages that man went through. Now, what is the mission? Which is interesting. The mission ultimately is to get back to the stage of Adam before the sin. That's the whole point. You see, because that's really what God placed him at first, and that's really what he wants mankind to be at. And then he would have whatever one test, and then they would uh, become Adam Ashalim, which is perfected man, and that would be Ilm Habba. So therefore what God wants ultimately, and that's really our task now, our task isn't to go from spiritual to spiritual, it's to get away from the clutches of the Satan, to get out of this situation where we are, we are pervaded by the Zoyama, 
and to ultimately make our way back into a situation where we are basically spiritual. And that's like Odin uh, uh, before the sim. In fact, as we will see, that really is what the Messianic era is. <clears throat> the Messianic era is a tikkun, is a rectification of what? It is a rectification of man after the sin, to be restored to man before the sin. And that's really what the Messianic era is. You see? The Messianic era is not Oilam Habo, it's not the future world, but all of a sudden it is identical to Adam Arishim before the sin. And then once you're at that stage, you see, and then you, of course you can be elevated uh, to become a perfected man, you see. So that's really what happens. Now, <clears throat> so what the Bansham wanted is mankind to get up to that stage, to be elevated, right, to that stage of Adam uh, before the sin. Instead what happened is he gave it to the generation called Shrashim, roots. They were fundamental uh, souls, but they failed. And those are the 2,000 years of mankind's attempt, you see. Now, what the Bansham then did is he took away that tikkun ability of those generations that were called roots and he gave it to Avram Avinu. Because he saw Avram Avinu was the only one that had elevated himself to the extent of the beginning of becoming Adam before the sin. Avram Avinu started that, you see. Now, he wasn't totally that way, obviously. Uh, Avram Avinu didn't didn't rectify the sin of, of Odom Arishim, you see, because <clears throat> he needed a, a, a certain amount of neshamas with him doing that, you see. In any case, so what the Mansham did is he took mankind and he made it into different nations. Now we can ask, wait a minute, I can understand you want to give it to Avram Avinu and you, you know, you, well, you, as you remove this uh, quali qualification to do the tikkun rectification from mankind fine and therefore the only way they can do it is if they become individual gerim or converts so all men can still uh, do it but they have to now become part of the Jewish nation and therefore they become con converts and Avram Avinu obviously was very active in doing that as we see from the Torah uh, where it says that and Avram Avinu with all the gerim that he made all the converts, you know. So that door is still open to anybody. It doesn't make a difference who you are and so on. But as a nation, uh, there is the only nation that can do the tikkun are the Jews. And this is the original event, you know. So we can say, we can ask, <clears throat> which is interesting, wait a minute, why didn't, the, if there's only the Avram Avinu and then there's everybody else, why doesn't everybody else constitute one nation? And why do we have to have 70? 70 different nations think about that you know 70 different nations which and they remained as individual nations with their root individuals and their descendants would then be uh, fixed in the characteristic of each individual root and they would not be able to do the tikkun so why don't you just have two nations you have the Jews or I should say the Hebrews because that's really what they were Right? And you have the non-Jews, you know, and it's one nation. <clears throat> it's an interesting question, you know. Why let them remain as individual roots, you know? The, 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 I, the answer is, 
a very interesting concept. Here's the problem. If you allow two nations, the Jews and this other nation called the non-Jews, right? Instead of splitting them into 70 different individual individuals with their characteristics. <clears throat> the problem is this. <clears throat> You'll have two nations. One of them is chosen by God. And they are chosen, obviously, by virtue of, God, of Avram Avinu's uh, behavior. He elevated himself and he began the process of being like Odom Marishim before the sin. Uh, if you have that nation and then you have other nations, right, that are completely different. Remember, what the Ramchal says is very interesting. <clears throat> you know, he says that the difference between a Jew and a non-Jew is that even though they look the same, in the sense that they're humans, but they are two different species of humans. Uh, it's almost like, you know, they, they conjecture that a man used to have the Neanderthals and Homo sapiens, if you know that, you know, paleontology and so on, you know. Uh, and uh, that there, there was actually humans that were uh, Neanderthals, you know? By the way, that's what they say, right? Anyway, maybe the only one who can make that statement himself is a Neanderthal. But anyway, you know, so there were Neanderthals and then Homo sapiens, uh, whatever, Homo sapiens, sapiens, whatever the name they use, you know, somehow displaced the Neanderthals you see, and that's it. Nobody knows why or how, according to them, how this happened. But, so even according to them, what's called, you know, paleontology, uh, you know, um, and so on, you know, uh, is that there were actually two different species, ultimately. I mean, they, you know, they, they, according to them, they went from ape to, to this and so on, right? But in the end, there were basically two different species, basically. There was the Neanderthal people, and there were the... Uh, I think they call him Homo erectus, if, you know, that's what they call him. Anyway, so the question then is, well, we're having, right now, that same thing. There are Jews, that's one species of human, and there are non-Jews, that's another species of human. Why are there two different species? Because they look the same. You can't tell the difference, you know, although there is such a thing as, he looks Jewish. You know, he looks Jewish, you know, I hate to say his nose or whatever. But, you know, you know, as they say in Yiddish, it looks Jewish, right? So, why don't we just have the Jews and the other type of human, which is identical physically, but is completely different spiritually. Remember, a Jew is human, of course, and he has five different parts to his neshama. He has a complete neshama, which means he has five different parts, like I mentioned, right? From going from the bottom, you have nefesh, ruach, neshama, <coughs> chaya, and yechida. Okay, um, that's neiron, chai, and so on. And uh, he has those five because a human is, is a complete composite and connected to all the different worlds that exist. And we know that there's an oil asiyah, so the nefesh is connected to Asiyah. There's an oil yetzira, right? So the ruach of the neshama, <coughs> neshama is a collective term as well as an individual term, which we will see. His ruach is connected to yetzira, right? His neshama, which is an individual term, right, is connected to bria, right? And then the part that's called the yechida, 
right, is connected to Atzilus. And then you have the Yechida is connected to Adam Kadmon, which is Adam Haba. So a Jew has a complete complement of soul that's connected to the entire reality. Now, <clears throat> and therefore, when he does an act, he can masaking, he can rectify, right, all of these worlds, because he's connected to them. So that gives him the ability, because he, he can influence everything to what he's connected to. And since he's connected to the entire reality, he can influence all of reality. It's an astounding ability, but it's God-given. A non-Jew... Yeah, well, yeah, either good or bad, of course. If he does a mitzvah, he brings a light or the presence of God into different places. And if he sins, then God absents his uh, divine presence because of his sin. He can affect reality, total reality. Whereas a non-Jew, because of this uh, fact that the nations of the world, right, were removed from that entire what's called partial, or that entire ability, they don't have that. So a guy will only have a nefesh, which is, which is spiritual, yeah, okay, because God did allow them to keep the spiritual nefesh, so, which is, but it's connected to Asiya, so, which is this world, or the, the entire lower, lowest world, and therefore he cannot in any way influence whatsoever anything above Asiya, you see. So he cannot do the tikkun. You see, and therefore, what, uh, uh, th therefore, a non-Jew, even though he's human, but he is not the same type as a Jew. That his humanity is much greater, for because he has an ishama, a soul that can influence all the world's total reality. Whereas a non-Jew can influence only this world, he cannot influence anything above him. So physically, they're the same. But spiritually, they're com two different types of beings. Very important concept, you know. Although non-Jews can, of course, get Oedem Habo. There's no question about that. But to influence the divine presence, they have absolutely no ability to do that. You see, it's a very important distinction. They could, if they become Jewish, and become a convert, and so on, you know. If they don't, and they choose to observe the seven Norkite laws, and they are righteous, right? And in some way, they, they, they can get the future world also. In any case, so what that produces is something very interesting. <clears throat> One of the fundamental questions that uh, puzzle everybody, why is there anti-Semitism? Why? It doesn't make sense, you see. <clears throat> People are not stupid. People come out with outlandish, outrageous statements you know, about Jews, what, what's, what's your problem, you know? If you took away the contributions Jews have made to civilization, which includes the Bible, which is the bottom, which is the foundation of the major religions, right? Islam and Christianity, the whole world would collapse. Humans wouldn't be human anymore. I'm not even going into the secular stuff. You know, there's Einstein and Marx and Freud you know, whatever you hold, you know. And then there's all the entertainment industry, the inventions, the polio vaccine. I mean, you, you, there are hundreds and hundreds of things that the Jews have done. In fact, if the Jews did not exist, then everybody would be basically cavemen. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. It's astounding what the world would look like. So what do you hate the Jew for? What, are you crazy? On the contrary, the, all the Jews, you know, the whole Jewish nation should be given the Nobel Prize for what they have done collectively throughout mankind's history. That's why it boggles the mind. Yet people have this gut, visceral hatred. Interesting. How do we explain this? It doesn't make sense. It just never seems to go away. And now, of course, we witness its rise. It's coming back. You know, and people hold it's coming back just like it was pre-World War II. And that starts off, you know, you have already in Europe and even in America, you begin to see the Democratic Party, you begin to see the anti-Semitism raising its ugly head. The question is why? You know what I'm saying? What nation in the world what nation in the world has ever contributed anything compared to the Jews? You see, the Jews number less than one quarter of one percent of the world's population. It's ridiculous. Yet every day you hear about Jews and they have one third of the Nobel Prizes given out. You believe this? Nobody understands that. Uh, so on the contrary, they should be the most honored race of all, not the most despised race, you see, or nationality. So I'll tell you something interesting. There are many reasons for anti-Semitism, okay? But I, might, I, I feel that the real reason is what I'm about to say. Actually, there are two very important reasons, but uh, I'm going to tell you one of them. <clears throat> the problem is this. When a non-Jew meets a Jew, Something happens. What is that? A non-Jew, even though he's not aware, is spiritually inferior to a Jew, which is what I'm saying. It's almost like they're two different species. Because he's meeting a Jew, and this guy's got a full complement of a soul. <coughs> it's called full neshama. Now, we don't even understand what that means, <coughs> but a neshama is much greater than a malach. It's greater than an angel. You know? And even angels fear a Jew because of that neshama that he has. You see? <coughs> so that's the Jew. <coughs> so the non-Jew meets the Jew, and all of a sudden, even though he doesn't realize it, his neshama, which is connected only to this world, immediately feels the inferiority of his status. Interesting. Yes. It's an immediate reaction, although it's almost beyond consciousness because we're talking here about souls, right? So automatically, a non-Jew meets a Jew, his spiritual aspect of himself feels the inferiority standing next to this guy, you see? Now, he's not conscious of it in that sense. Doesn't, he doesn't say, well, I, you know, I feel inferior to Yonashama. He doesn't know that. He doesn't even experience his own soul. Uh, but it's beyond consciousness. And as a result of that, he immediately, be, uh, uh, um, what, what arises in him is a sin, it's a hatred. You know, whether you want to call it jealousy or anger, whatever you want, wait, whatever you want to call it. But I believe that the real root of anti-Semitism is this because he is inferior spiritually to a Jew you see and this is what God did 
you know, he took away the ability of non-Jews to do the tikkun. And therefore what he did is he disconnected four aspects of his neshama. Abraham was the only one doing it and he began the <coughs> journey, right, toward becoming Adam before the sin, right? So therefore every non-Jew has that. So as a result of that, right, what happens is, like I say, a non-Jew meets a Jew, something is stirred. There's, a, there's some type of recognition, although it's unconscious, that he's standing next to a guy who is one of the, the uh, how would you say, one of the uh, select of creation. That's what it is, you see. Now, I wish Jews would realize that. If they would realize who they are, they would abandon all the nonsense, you see and stop trying to be like the Goyim, you know, they would realize their class is incredible. That even the angels fear this man because of his neshama, you see. Because remember one thing, that neshama is part of God, whatever that means, right? That means if he's got five different aspects of neshama, right, of a soul, that means he's connected to five different, five times more which actually, it's not, it's not even times, it's much greater, to God. That's what he is. He doesn't even understand his status. He is a prince among, you know, servants. That's really what he is. And Jews don't understand that. Then a shama means that they are princes. That's who they are. Yeah, you know. There would be no such thing as an inferiority complex that a Jew would have if we'd realize the greatness of who he is innately without doing anything because he is a descendant ultimately of Avram Avinu. Uh, so when a non-Jew meets this guy, you know, it's like a servant meeting a king. You know, there's an immediate desire. Hey, wait a minute, I don't like this. So what happens is there's a jealousy and that jealousy, it's spiritual automatically manifests itself as hatred. That's why there's anti-Semitism. And I'll tell you something, it will never go away. Never. Because the Jew cannot divest himself of his soul. That's what it means. Israel, Jews, even though they sin, they cannot become non-Jews. You know, you cannot, it's their essence, you see. And that's the root of anti-Semitism the real root and it can never go away it never will go away obviously i mean everybody's out there trying to figure out how to how do we stop this you can't you cannot stop it the only way to stop it is that a non-jew has to recognize that god chose the jewish people right god chose them not that the jews chose god well in a sense abraham did choose god in that way you know that god chose them that you're going to do the tikkun it's a privilege you see so there's no way to get rid of that anti-Semitism unless the guy realize that he can also get Olam Haba. And if he wants, let him convert. You know, if he's that jealous about a Jew, you know, in terms of who the Jew is, fine. There's a path. God allowed you to become Jewish and do the Tikkun. You see? What and that, this is the problem. Now, because of this, some incredible event occurred, and that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, Post this. Well, Asaph. Yeah. They both had the shamas that were. This. 
No, anti, look, you see by Yitzchak, Avimelech was giving him so much problems. The, dude, the Jews, as soon as Abraham accepted the mission, everybody hated him. I mean, they, 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 when you look at the Torah, the Torah is filled with stories of people who are, you know, enemies of Avram Avinu. You know what I'm saying? People are trying to bring him down, especially in those days, the Philistines, and so on. But they couldn't because the man was fabulously rich, Avram, like God says, right? I will make you, you know, I will give you the blessing, and, and, and so on. I mean, the, you see, the Bershom says that. When the Bershom says, and you will be blessed, all the nations of the earth, what does that mean? You're the king. It's God's talking, not Abraham. You know, it's like David Amalek when he was made king. He's made king. God wants him to be king. Everybody else is a subject of that king. When the Bonsham said, and you will be blessed all the nations of the earth, that's exactly what it means. Why? Because you're the only one that can do the tikkun. And the blessing that you will get is because of the tikkun. Because you bring the Shekhinah, the divine presence, back. When you bring the divine presence back, guess what? That's tremendous bracha. That's tremendous blessing. You see? So God made him the king. In fact, it's worse than that. God made him the only one who can do the tikkun. The rectification of creation, which means God coming back. He's the only guy. A guy can do it also, but he's got to become Jewish. You see? That's the problem. But that God assigned him to be king of the king, to be the king of creation. That produces anti-Semitism, you know, and it arises from the intuitive feel that is not conscious, and the guy only realizes, hey, wait a minute, you know, what you, you know, that, that that's why the, there's this intuitive ability of a guy to turn on the Jew, and that explains in many ways, uh, you know, so it's an inherent state that there will always be anti-Semitism. I don't care what they say, they'll never get rid of it. Listen, something that's lasted for 4,000 years is just not going away. I mean, everybody's tried everything, you know. The Jews even tried in order to remove anti-Semitism. Guess what the Jews is, you know. They became, they said, hey, let's become part of the world. That's what Mendelssohn did. That's, that's what Reform the Conservative is, you know. Why did, why did Mendelssohn become Reformed? That you have to learn in German and all that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because uh, Jews realize we can't get rid of anti-Semitism. So the only way we can do that is we become part of them so maybe they won't hate us anyway. You see, that's why, the, that's why you have many movements of Jews going away from Torah. The Haskalah, the Maskilim in Russia. <coughs> There was so much, I mean, the Russians is like, you know, that's the, that's the model for anti-Semitism. You know, the czars and the pogroms, I mean, it's like, I, I don't know how in the world they could live in Russia, because any day they could be slaughtered. And part of that was the Catholic Church, of course, you know. How many Jews died in, you know, in the, between all the czars and all that, you see. So finally the Jews were so desperate, they say, hey, we got to stop this, how? Uh, let's become part of them. Didn't work, did it. No, it continued unabated because they made the mistake. There are no anti-Semites really because they hate you because in some way you're better than them. No, you have an Ishama and we don't. Or we, we don't have the Ishama of you, you know, and we realize that you are privileged by the Rabbanishlam. You see, so you really can't get rid of anti-Semites. I hate to frustrate everybody and so on, you know, but you can't. Anti-Semitism will always be removed at the end of time. And that, if you think about that, what's the, what's, what's the ultimate form of anti-Semitism, right? 
besides the Inquisition, right? And then you have the pogroms, right? And then you have the Holocaust. I mean, everybody hates the Jew, right? Then you have the expulsions from European nations. It's been going on for thousands of years, you see. But the ultimate is Goig and Mogoid, Goig from the land of Mogoid, wars against Jerusalem. Why does the UN hate Israel? You know, people look and say, what they do to you, you know? They're just another nation, like, you know, and the Jews are trying to be like another nation, right? They always try to do that. Just another nation. Why do you hate them so much? Why is 90% of the resolutions coming out of the UN against Israel? I mean, what, kind, what is that? You know what I'm saying? How do you even explain this? What do Jews do? If anything, they, all they do is contribute to mankind. So what's, the, what's this obsession with trying to kill the Jew? You know, I, I'd love to ask one of the UN people, what's your problem with the Jews, you know? What they do to you? You know, all they want to do is exist like any nation, right? They want to be able to be secure, you know, be able to be productive, flourish, you know, and so on. What do you hate them so much? What are the answer for that? What they do to you? You know what I'm saying? On the contrary, they're always the victim of mankind. On the contrary, you should feel bad for them. Where's your Rachmanus? You know? But they actually, you know, usually people, they feel bad for the underdog. That's usually what it is, you know? Everybody knows the Jews are the underdog. Uh, so it's astounding to watch that in every situation where there's an underdog. I mean, if they, obviously it's an underdog means the person didn't deserve to be victimized, right? They don't hate the guy, on the contrary. People feel Rachmanus, compassion for this person, and on the contrary, they are against uh, the, uh, the uh, perpetrator. But in this case, they violate their own humanity. They hate the Jew. Yet everybody knows he's been, he's been destroyed, beaten, crushed, slaughtered for thousands of years. So why don't you have compassion on these guys? It's psychotic, because that's what it is. There is no explanation except the one I'm offering. Because there's an intuitive ability of a non-Jew to know who he's standing in front of. It's an amazing thing. Therefore, the Bansham said, listen, if I do the Jews and I lump everybody together as one nation, right? I mean, how many Jews are gonna be in anyway? Meanwhile, the other nation, the non-Jews, right? One nation, right? Right? They're gonna kill the Jews. So for six billion? Seven and a half billion. So there's no contest here. The Jews will never have time to do the tikkun. Yes? Because the Goyim will kill them long before they finish the tikkun. You see? So therefore, the Bonsham decided yeah. is something else. I'm going to take nations and split them. So now you have many nations, you see? So therefore, if there is incredible persecution against the Jews from one nation, then they can run to another nation and stay there for a while until it gets too hot here, right? And then they go to another. That's what happened. You know, they were in Europe, Christian nations, and then they started slaughtering the Jews. So what they do? So they ran to, you know, Morocco. They ran to uh, uh, Iran, unity, the Middle East, you know, these, uh, the... Um, Middle Eastern countries, and then when it gets too hot here, they ran back to Europe. It's like you know they're always running. Why? And what? What? Because the the not all the nations kill them at the same time, so there's always some type of a refuge. But that can only be if there's many nations. If there was only one nation beside the Jew, where are they going to run? And they'll never have time to do the tikkun. You see, interesting.
because you cannot get rid of anti-Semitism and the Rosham knew that so therefore he had to give them the ability to seek refuge you see now here's what's interesting fine so that makes sense as long as the Jews have to do what have to do the Tikkun but what happens as you get near the end of time you see you don't need this anymore you see you don't need this concept of many nations at all you see and when does it begin you see well you have Avram Avinu 4,000 years you have Avram you have the tribes right then you have the the Jews they begin and they grow and grow and so on fine it's going to take them thousands of years to do the Tikkun you see now but as you get closer to the end where the Tikkun is almost finished you see then you don't need all the nations to be separate at all when does this start I once mentioned <coughs> there is the, the the history of the world can be divided into the following eras based on the Tikkun not based on where the world sees it but based <coughs> on the mission of the Jew to do the Tikkun so the first stage of history is Adam before the sin didn't last very long a couple of hours then the next stage right is Adam <coughs> after the sin for 2,000 years which is the generation of the Shrashim the roots they're supposed to do the Tikkun failed the next stage is when is Avram Avinu right for almost 4,000 years you see until 1840 that's the basic length of the Tikkun it begins to wind down in 1840 okay from 1840 begins what's called the termination phase the termination phase is that the Tikkun is very near to be complete so what God now has to do is bring the world the final stage it's called act 3 scene 3 right where he's now God is now going to bring the climate that has to happen before the Mashiach comes which is darkness in any case and therefore in 1840 that starts the termination phase the termination phase has three sub phases and this is termination but it has three different it's almost like act act three scene three has sub scene one sub scene two sub scene three the first subset or sub scene of the termination phase which starts in 1840 is called Ikris the the footsteps of the Messiah in other words we are that because when you're very close to someone and he's walking the snow you can actually see his footprints you see so the footsteps of the Messiah okay you can already begin to feel that the Mashiach is going to come that's how close we are but it is not the beginning of redemption it's called Ikris the Mashiach that's stage one and that goes basically okay until us until our period 2019 you see the second substage is called Aschalta de Geula the beginning of redemption it is the true beginning of redemption what is that what that is is this is that the um, Mashiach and the Shekhinah is released from the Klippa what does that mean without getting it because I spoke about this 
long time is that because the Mashiach himself is in a, in, a, in a figurative prison he cannot express and develop his incredible talents you see because he is paralyzed figuratively not literally okay when he is released he begins to grow that release of the Mashiach is the Aschalta de Gula you see that is the beginning of redemption when he is released from his figurative prison without getting it all into all that and so on and the divine presence is also released from its goals because we know that the divine presence is also in exile we know that is also whatever that means and so on when both of them are released from that prison figuratively okay that is the beginning of redemption and that is irreversible once it happens and unstoppable it cannot be stopped or reversed that is the true beginning of the redemption and then we witness the Mashiach whoever that is which is Mashiach ben Yosef that he begins to grow okay and then many things people see who is this guy and so on whatever then the last substage of the termination phase is called Yemoysa Mashiach that is when Mashiach ben Yosef joins with Mashiach ben David and that is the entry where, where the messianic era is ushered in and that's the end because then you, we're talking about the messianic era the Sutton is terminated that can either mean, either mean that he himself his illusions about who he is ends and he becomes a good Malach believe it or not imagine inviting the Sutton to a Kiddush you know and he's one of the good guys right or he's destroyed an argument well what happens to the guy you know but in any case this, was an Ach, this, this is well no Akhres Ayyomim is the beginning of the termination phase Ach, in the end of days yeah and I'm subdividing it in three and then you have the messianic era and uh, that's it it's over with right and then all of a sudden the, uh, the messianic light enters the creation and that the period of time is beyond belief which I once spoke about Okay, now, so therefore, if 1840 starts the termination phase, then it is no longer necessary, right, to have the nations uh, split. You don't need the 70 nations anymore, right? Because what God wants to do, because originally, really what He wants, is just there's two, there's two types of human beings. You don't need 70. There's the Jew, who's got this neshama, and then you have the Goy, the non-Jew, at that time in the neshama. So why split them? Why not put them in just a non-Jew? You see? And the truth is that you don't need that after the Tikkun has been accomplished. Therefore, in 1840, what do we begin to see? That, no, yeah, the, that's, that's one, that, that's already something different. But we began to see the move that nations had for nationalization. Nationhood, yeah. Germany became uh, Germany, they united all the principalities of Germany in 1870. Italy also. Many of the, you know, many of the nations now began to come together. You see? Was it? Coalesce. Coalesce, combine, whatever. And that's the beginning of the attempt to, nation, to undo the split that occurred at uh, the 2000 years by Avram Avino. But, not enough. So all of a sudden, what do we see? 
What's the beginning of the real attempt? League of Nations. The League of Nations was the first real attempt to bring all the nations under one roof. It's exactly what happened. You see? Now, that wasn't as powerful because America didn't join. So what they did is 1947 or 48, whatever, the UN. United Nations is nothing more than the undoing of the Dora Flaga, of the generation of dispersional. That's really all it is. You see? Because it's not necessary for nations to be split. There's Jew and non-Jew. You don't need 70 pieces of non-Jew, you see? And the interesting thing about that is to show you that they're all united, right? You could talk in any language and everybody's got translations. You know what I'm saying? Every language is represented, right, at the UN. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's got their, you know, their earphones and they have all professional translators. So that overcomes the impediment of language as a barrier. And that was the original impediment where God's confounded the languages and that's what really splits everybody. Now the UN undoes that and therefore now everybody could talk to each other, you see? So the UN really is the undoing of the marble, or I should say of the Dora Flogger, because it's now not necessary to have all nations split. So now it is Jews and nation, United Nations, right? Wait, no, because what did I say? If the non-Jews remain as one nation, they will kill the Jews because of the inherent feeling of inferiority, right? Well, the nation, when the nations got together and became the United Nations, what do they want to do? Kill the Jew. It's the same thing. It's exactly what happens. When the nations of the world combine, what do they want to do? Kill the Jew. That's why God split them in the first place. So why bring them back together? Because the, if you think about it logically, right? In the end of time, you don't need the split of 70. But, but you see they're, they're ganging up. Like no, that, it doesn't make a difference. Let them do. And on the contrary, their ganging up is what creates goig and Right? That's what creates it, you know. And as it says in the second so last, chapter, so last, last yeah, last yeah, last hurrah. Yeah, right? Um, that's evil, exactly. Um, but that's why. From the UN we see what would have happened had he not split the nations, right? Had he not split the nations, they would have one nation because there is only two, two kinds of human, Jew and non-Jew, they would have killed the Jews. The Jews would never have had the ability to do the tikkun because they would have been destroyed. Because this, of an, this inherently innate feeling that a non-Jew has, which creates anti-Semitism. You see, <clears throat> therefore, now that we are in the termination phase, you don't need them to be split anymore. Then God can undo what happened at the generation of dispersion, which happened right before by Avraham Avinu, actually, and so on. And what arises? Exactly what God was trying to prevent. Incredible amount of anti-Semitism, you see. Because it makes no sense. Think about that. You know, what's their, what's their obsession to kill Jews? Based on what? It's not the Arabs. They hated the Jews in 48. That's only an excuse. Because you see the double standard. It's astounding. Anybody who has got an IQ of more than 50, right, can see a double standard. That means the Jews are always blamed and the Arabs are never blamed. It's astounding to watch. I mean, what happened? People, you know, we, we look at these people as if they're, you know, wait, wait a minute, you're intelligent, you're dignified, and so on. How do you do this? 
How could you have a double standard which is so blatant? It doesn't make sense. Because that's what the anti-Semitism anti-Semitism is, and therefore the UN is the undoing of that marble. It's very interesting, and so on. Uh, not the marble, the Doha Flogger, uh, and so on. Uh, so that's, by the way, one of the proofs that we are nearing the Messianic era. That is one of the proofs that the nations are now together. Is actually one of the proofs that we are at the f uh, we are incredibly nearing the uh, beginning of redemption. Because that would not have happened before, like I say, you see? So therefore, what's interesting, we now understand what, what is going on, you see. So therefore, we can understand this from the concept of nationhood that happened 4,000 years ago by Avraham Avino, you see, and, and so on, you know. Um, in any case, like I said, there, there are different stages of man Okay, and what we see also something very important. Avram started it the, to restore man to like Odom Mauritian, the first man before the sin. But Avram Avinu cannot do it by himself. You need all him and all his descendants, which are all part of his neshama. So there was uh, there was Avram one, then Yitzchak and Yaakov, three of us three patriarchs then there are the 12 tribes so those three pat patri uh, patriarchs right become the 12 tribes those 12 tribes become the 70 souls that entered Egypt that is the parallel to the 70 nations because they took it over you see they had to take over the 70 nations right and they took it over as 70 neshamas that's why 70 people entered Egypt because Egypt was one of the places, the most important place, to complete the job, you see? So that's what happened. So now they enter Egypt with 70, and Yocheved was interesting because when they got to Egypt, there was only 69. So Yocheved was born between the walls. You know, she had to be born before they went to Egypt <coughs> because there had to be a full complement of the Jewish neshama to restore man mankind as Odin before the Chet. You see? So now you had 70. So what do we got? We got 3, 12, 70. And in Egypt was born the 600,000 primary branches. You see? And that's what left Egypt. It's incredible. And all those people together did the job. When they stood at Matan Torah, which is next week, right? When they stood at Har Sinai, they were equal to Odom Horishim before the sin. And the Gemara says that, it's not even a Zoya. The Gemara says, Nifzika Zoya Mashal Nochash. When the Jews stood at Mount Sinai, right, it says that the Zoya of the Sutton ceased. Yeah, but that's not normal. Because they had actually created the ability to go back to Odom Rishon before the Sin, you see. But they had only one job left. Odom had one mitzvah, right? Right? Don't eat from the tree, which really was the mitzvah. Don't think that you're a god or could become a god. That's really what the temptation is. So the Jews had the same type of test about the nature of God. Same thing. See? Because you cannot make an idol that represents God. Look, they didn't believe the idol was God. It doesn't make sense. 
But they believe that you can have an intermediary. You can have a, an ego as an intermediary, you know. But God cannot have an intermediary. <coughs> He's not a being that can be represented by some type of physical figure. So they were tested in the same way. What is your belief about the nature of God? Uh, you see, Adam had his test regarding God. He thought he could become God, because we know the Satan, the snake, tried to convince him you can be like God. He told that to Chava. <coughs> so Adam's mistake was that he thought that God can be duplicated. He could become God. No good. The Jews thought that God could be, have an intermediary, an Egel. See, that was their problem. See, because both of them had to have that test ultimately to go from Adam before the sin into Shh, You see, same thing. That is really the mission of the Jew today, you see. So we have taken over what they try to do. We are again trying to, you know, ultimately restore mankind back to Adam before the sin, you see. The only difference is that we don't have any test in the messianic era. That's the difference. <coughs> we don't have a test. Adam had a test to go from Adam before the sin into the future world. He had to have a test, right? The Jews at Mount Sinai, they had to have a test. The eagle was a test, the setup. But what about us? When we go into the messianic era, right? Then we will be like Adam before the sin. And that's why we're going to have the Orishim, the Messianic light. Adam Orishim had the Messianic light, right, until it was taken away, right? We also get the Messianic light, and that's what it means. That the knowledge, that the, uh, the, um, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters covers the seabed, right? That's the Orishim. It's the exact same thing as Adam Orishim before the sin. But the difference is this, is that all God wants us to do is get to that stage. After that stage, there are no more tests. Then the tikkun will be complete, you see? And that ultimately is the guarantee. You know, we don't have to do it, uh, you know, now that we're before the sin of Adam, right? And now we're gonna get tested again? Forget it, because we know what's gonna happen. We another failure, you know, you know what I mean? So therefore what the Bansham does, once we achieve the Messianic era, which is, means we will be like Adam before the sin, that's why it's incomprehensible of what we'll be like. Nobody knows. You, know, you have no idea what you're going to be and look like in the time of Mashiach when David. And then you have Tchiasamesim, resurrection of the dead. I mean, you, know, you have these incredible things going on. We don't even know what that means. What does it mean to have a body that cannot decompose, that you never die, that there's no sickness, <coughs> there's no evil? You know what I'm saying? It's gone. Imagine a world that has no dictators. You know, all the incredible evil people out there that do such evil things on a daily basis, it's gone, you know? And on the contrary, the one that will be the greatest nation of all are the Jews. Everybody's gonna run to the Jews, like groupies, you know? Everybody, they don't realize that. The Jews will be the greatest nation on earth. Everybody will run to them. Please, we need some of the drugs that you got. Because you guys have that divine, you guys are feeling the divine, uh, what do you call, presence. We want that. Because it'll be open, you see. That's what's going to happen, you see. And therefore we now have, we have that understanding in many ways of what's going on, you see. 
Um, <coughs> so ultimately, uh, the Messianic era is an era Mashiach ben David, not ben Yosef. Ben Yosef is uh, still has got all the problems, and you know you have one individual trying to destroy evil. But in the time Mashiach ben David, you have Tchitz Amesim, you have resurrection of the dead, and what will happen is the entire world will change. Everybody will now know who the Jews are. On the contrary, could you believe all those people that did such evil to the Jews? What are they going to think? You know, they are going to be frightened is a mild term because then, then the, the judgment arrives and destroy them and so on, you know? It's a long way off. A long way off? Which one? Ben David or Ben Yosef? Ben David. No, actually not really, you know? It's not long. Mashiach will arrive, it'll be a certain amount of years of his, uh, you know, uh, what he has to do. And, you know, maybe, maybe 10, 20 years Mashiach Ben David. So it's over. That's after six thousand years. In other the world must end by the year six thousand, which is the English year twenty two forty, right? And we are now what two thousand nineteen, right? So uh, what are we now? Twenty one years to go. That's the end. So Mashiach Ben Yosef has to come first, and he has to bring down. He has many things to do, and then there's Mashiach Ben David. You know, after whatever, and Sheikh Ben David now brings the redemption. The world will have, the world will have reached the level and be equal to Adam region before the sin, and then the whole Olam <coughs> Hazer, the entire world ends in the year six thousand. So after two twenty-one years, both Mashiachim will have arrived, and that is the end of the Messianic era and the Chat Chorav where the whole universe is now retransformed into a spiritual state and then man and so on and so forth that starts after 2240 you see not many years 96% of the world's time has already elapsed you know and even then you're wondering where's Mashiach 96% of the world's time has elapsed you know yeah interesting what we see today with uh, the Trump is that is exactly as the Rav said, the world, the seven nations are coming together and they actually, uh, Western world, they want to be cosmic <coughs> globalism. Yeah. Bring in right. Muslims, Christian, European. You know, it's all part of the nations reuniting, exactly. Well, how does the Rav understand that Trump is, great, is against that? It's not against that. He's for nationalism. No, he's not. You know, he, he just doesn't want to be ripped off by everybody. That's no, all. No, but, you know, no, he's for Brexit. He's for England. Brexit. No, no, no. You, no, no, no. In my opinion, you are no. You, you are. You do not understand Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants to correct all the aberrations that has been going on for decades. You see, where every president failed to correct them. You see, now, of course, there's America in the other world, but it's not that he, when he says, I want to make America great, I want to stop people, to get off our backs, stop cheating us all the time. That's, you know, because, so he's interested in, in making America great, because America has been abused, you know what I'm saying, for decades. And that's really what it is. That's why he's taken on China, Mexico, Iran, everybody, you see. It's an attempt, really, in, in a certain sense, to free 
America from the leeches that are sucking the blood of America and that's been going on for decades you see what I'm saying and then if that happens if all of a sudden there's fair trade that's not true he's for globalism means of course I'll trade with China we do great that's what he says you know of course each country has its own nationalism fine but that's really what it is <coughs> I want to throw off all the leeches from America you see and you should know one thing like I said uh, the fact that everybody wants well, nationalized globalism and all that this is all part of the world's attempt to come together which is the undoing of the generation of dispersion and so on you know and Trump is part of that you see in fact the only way as I said Asaf can do tshuva is only at the end he is one of the proofs that we are right next to the messianic era it never happened before nobody understands Trump how did this happen and the answer is because it's Asaf coming back to be a brother you know and so on and that's exactly what's happening you see and that can only happen right before the Mashiach arrives you see and that's, that's exactly what's happening that is Very fascinating yeah it's the first no time in history no one expected that I suspect what who sticks to the Shia for a minute still yes yeah you gotta get me out of there it. were 22 23 countries in Europe that formed the European Union yeah they got one currency and they some people in Brussels Nas say nationalism. That's that's exactly nationalism. The EU. That's exactly what I'm saying. Sure. Now what about it? They all they all united. Exactly. That's because that's it's the undoing of the generation dispersion. You see, now it's no longer necessary, really, in a certain sense, to have you know seventy nations because essentially there aren't seventy nations. You know, really, there are two human species. I hate to say that, right? There's Jew with his neshama, and there's a non-Jew with his neshama. This is all there is, so why have 70? What do you need it for? You see what I'm saying? By the way, just to throw in something, I might as well, you know, each nation of the 70 has culture, right? Culture is the contributions of what a nation uh, creates based on itself. What distinguishes nations from each other? The origin of a culture, you know, there's Mexican cuisine, let's say, right? And there's French cuisine. You want know, to come up with this stuff? Because depending on how they're rooted into the spheres, what happened is, is that they produce a culture based on how they are connected to the spheres. That's why there's so many different cultures. You know what I'm saying? You go to one country, like, huh? You know, different dress, different food, different forms of thinking. How, why are they so different? And the answer is because it depends on what their root is. You see? If their root is what? If their root is connected to a certain section of the spheres, then they will have a certain type of a culture. You see? And it is through that culture that they have to worship God. The problem is, the problem is, is that what happened is, is that they stuck with their culture. You see? And uh, they don't, uh, and they're not, uh, and there's no teaching for them, but they still have whatever their sphere would make them do in terms of everything that they have, cuisine and so on. And that's, by the way, why Jews have to wander through the 70 nations, right? Because we have to wander in each nation, adapt to their culture, right? And use their culture from that sphere 
to do the tikkun. See, that's what we do. We go through each nation, all 70. You know, the Jews are the only nation that they're everywhere. I don't care where you are, it's astounding. How can a nation of 40 million people be everywhere? You know, you find them on islands, you know, this and this city. You know, you, 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 how, how did Jews get there? You know, and the proof of that is Lubavitch. Think about that, they got 5,000 shlichim all over the world. Hey, wait a minute. But that's because there are Jews all over the world. You know, in fact they say, how do you know there are no people on the moon? Because there's no Lubavitch, there's no Chabad house. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's how you know. Uh, no, but Chabad is the proof. Because they, they imagine they, they have 5,000 shlichim and they're all over the place, but they wouldn't be there if there were no Jews. So there are Jews in 5,000 places. 14 million people in 5,000 places. That's astounding. Why? Because what they do is the Jew goes into that culture and uses that to do the tikkun. <coughs> you see? That's why. All you gotta do is go to Queens. That county got more nationalities in it. Thank you. All over the world. Okay. That's okay. I, it's Avram Avinu succeeded, right, where the 2,000 years of uh, potential Shoshim before him failed. Yeah, that's right. Why is that? If he got an extra... <laughs> why, why is what? How is Avram successful where all those before him failed? Because he worshipped God. More than that. He, you, he, I, I, he wasn't endowed I, I, with something special from the Kaddish Baruch you, you mean how did he as a person? Well, as a Shoshim. Uh, 2,000 years of people trying. No, they didn't try. It was just evil and downright so why evil. Why did he try? It, but, you know, that, that question is, you know, Bechira, you know, free will, right? How come he chose his free will to do this? And that guy chose his free will. Why did Yaakov remain an Ov and Asa became a Russia? They both had free will. And not only that, Asa was greater than Yaakov of Vino. I once mentioned that, you know. Esav was greater in his task than Yaakov. The Paneach Roza says that, he's a Rishon. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the Gematria of Yaakov twice is equal to Esav once, with the Vav, you know? So uh, why did Esav become a Russia? That's what free will is, you know? I mean, you want Because the Maral uh, says that Kalei was predisposed to Torah. They had a one-up on, on the Yuma Sa'ilu. No, that so was after. Avram that was Avram. Yeah, of yeah, course. That was. Oh, yeah. No, no. Once Avram came in, of course. Yeah. But before Avram, everybody. It has to be that way. Everybody had the same free will. You know what I'm saying? The same free will. They all could have been Avram Avino. And, and in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the great tragedies. I'm sure that one of the great grief that God has is that it was only Avram Avino. God didn't want only Avram. You see that? He gave everybody a chance. Why did not start the whole, you know, why not start the whole world with Avram and Avinu in a certain sense, you know? He wanted all mankind to be in Oilam Habba, not just Jews. It was only that, so Avram Avinu, he singled himself out. Why? You know, why does anybody choose free will? You know what I'm saying? But you can't say because Avram Avinu, while he was doing that, was a greater neshama. You know, and not only that, what you see also interesting is there were people that did it besides Avram. Mesushelach, Chanoich, Shem Ve'ever, right? Shem and Ever, right? They were incredible tzaddikim. But they didn't become Shroshim. No, they were Shroshim because they lived in the 2,000 years. But their problem is what they didn't meet the demand because what the Barshim is, that's what he says. 
you know, he says, Laman Yitzav is born of Akrov. What he wanted is, look, it's not enough for you to become, you know, I, you know it's, it's, it's what's called a community, uh, you know, a uh, venture. You know, you need to go out and make people religious, and that's what Avraham Avinu did. Apparently, they never did, so therefore, you know, they, 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 they qualified as incredible tzaddikim, no question. But they didn't qualify to do the job, you know, in terms of, you know, the descendants and so on. Because they essentially were not doing that, you know, and so on, you know. That's a good question, but like, it's the age-old question, you know, why did he do it and he didn't? Well, they both had free will, you know what I'm saying? And you can't say, and it wasn't because Avram was greater, you know, it just he decided to choose, which is incredible, but this goes on for thousands of years. Some people do it and some people don't. And meanwhile, they're, but they're both equal in terms of their ability to have chosen. What, you know? what if, if Mashiach comes and Pascha that there will be no more, it will be back to other Mishnah, <coughs> but in all those cases, they are still in the Olam Asiyah. Yes. But isn't other Mishnah in Yitzirah? Yes. So it's still a difference. Yeah, but first, not nah, because there are stages. The first stage is remove the Zoyamo. That's the Chesarism. The next stage, right, is to remove the Geshem, right? You have to remove the physicality, and that happens, why, right? When everything changes. That's Chadkarv, yeah, and so on. And even that takes stages, and so on, you know? So you have to go up based on how far you've descended, you so know? Even after Meshach and David comes, we're still not completely there yet. No, no, well, we, have no, we have no Sutton, nobody dies, no more hospitals, nothing. Yeah, that's it, they're all shut down. Because nobody, nobody gets sick. It's a, it's, it's a, perfect, uh, a perfect life in that sense, but it's still physical, you know. Of course there will be incredible amount of miracles. I mean, it, it, the miracles in the time of Sheikh Ben David will be awesome, and so on, you know. But to go from physicality to spirituality, that's only after the Chat Chorv. And the world ends and, and the, the beginning of Oilam uh, Habo uh, begins in the 7,000th year, you know. But now you know what the objective is. The objective ultimately is to get to Odomarishan, to stay a stage, that status, state, before the sin. And that's what God wanted from the 2,000 years of mankind's history. And they did it almost, remember? By Matan That's the greatness, uh, you know, where they actually achieved that. They had become Odomarishan before the sin. And they, therefore they had that one test which is the Egel, they fell. But I want to tell you something. Even though they fell, yes, a Jew is different than a non-Jew. You see? In other words, a certain amount of Zoyama re-entered the body because they fell by the sin of the golden calf. But it never entered the same way it, entered, it, it exists in the non-Jew. Because once you removed it, you see, even if it enters, it's not the same entry. You didn't take as strongly as No, yeah. And that's why, that's why, when you, you know, Jews are always into chesed. You know, they're, they're, Jews are always compassionate. They're activists for the good. You know, you, know, you always find institutions, hospitals, whatever, so many things. It's all Jews. Jews do it. Where do you get that feeling, you know? Because that's the, man, the humanity that they have. 
incredible humanity, you know. And the reason for that is because the Sultan didn't enter as much as he did by Matan Torah. You see? Be five what? Yes, same thing. That never. That's probably part mm -hmm. of it too. Man. Besides the Zama, the Zama didn't go in as well. That, that's, yes. Mo, mo, yeah, yeah. But the main idea is it didn't enter this, the, as bad as it was before that because they had succeeded. So even though they fell, it was nowhere near what the Goyim were. They never even removed it at all, you see. you know. It's very interesting, the, 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 the history of mankind based on the perspective of Tikkun. Uh, you know, it's very interesting, you know. What I find even more interesting is there's a Medrash that says, or Gemara, whatever, Chazal, that God went around the nations of the world at the time of the giving of the Torah to see if they could re-enter the covenant like Avraham Avinu. So if that would have happened, then they would have become, you know, the same, they, they would have had, they would have also become like Odom Rishon before the Chet. You see, but God really saw that none of the nations of the world were at a level where they would possibly accept the Torah. Or that even if they did, it would never be what the Jews had done. Well, we don't understand what that means, you know, but God was able to look at the souls of every non-Jew. And he determined that only a couple of souls can do it, but not an entire nation. There was no entire nation that can now enter the agreement like Aroma Vino. So therefore he closed the door permanently. And if they want to enter that process, they have to become Jewish. But even for the Jews, he had to hold the mountain mm -hmm. over our heads to make us accept it. Even then? Yeah, it's not simple. It was under duress? That's right. Well, yeah. Have a whole on that, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. I find that interesting. Question is if he had found a nation that would have said, okay, I'm in, right? So what would that have meant? It, 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 I, I don't believe it was still, it wouldn't have meant they would still would not be equal to the Jews because they didn't do anything. Okay, we said now, yes, right? But wait a minute, these guys just went to 210 years of Egypt. What did you do? You know, but it would have meant that they would have shared uh, in, in, in that uh, spiritual, uh, you know, um, resolution where they would become like the Jews even if they don't have all the... It's like a descendant, you know. He will enjoy your, what you did for him like Adam. His descendants would have enjoyed Adam Hamba just like Adam Rishon. Same idea, you know, that uh, they would have enjoyed that state to be like Adam Rishon before the sin. But God saw that no nation as a nation is going to do it. They're not at the level. So he just left, he permanently closed the nations, the Shirish status, and only the Jews can do the Tikkun, but any Goy can do the Tikkun if he becomes Jewish. Uh, and even if he doesn't, like I say, you know, if he observes the Noachite commandments, he will get the future world. You know, and don't think that's a consolation prize. The guy in the future world at the lowest level, right, <coughs> of enjoyment, is infinitely greater than all the pleasures of this world. You know, just don't think, well, yeah, what are we going to get, you know? You know, consolation prize. No. <clears throat> like they say, if, you took, if a person took all the pleasures in his lifetime and put it together on a pill, right? And then he took all the pleasures of all mankind in that day and age and put it and added to the pill. And he took all the pleasures, the positiveness, everything of mankind throughout 
after 6,000 years, right, it wouldn't equal one minute in the future world. That's how great, that, that's what is, is stored for the tzaddikim. So a, a non-Jew that, that is righteous or whatever, and so on, even, even if he doesn't get the same future world that the Jew has, what he's getting is infinitely greater than anything on this planet. Even for a non-Jew. So they don't have to cry about that. You know? Yeah? Thank you, question. Um, if today, if someone dies today, uh, his neshama goes to Gan Eden or Gehinnam to uh, prepare him for Olam Abba. <coughs> if. If. If he needs, if he needs the Kapara, if he needs... Uh, well, maybe he can. He may, he, he, he may even come back as a Gilgal. He may come back. What happens to those of us who live to the times of Mashiach? When are we going to have this, this cleansing process in order to access we have it now that process is, is, is that process is goes on for each person that process is responsible for all the sufferings that everybody goes through the successes the sufferings God is you know I once told you you know why is there a uh, stock market you know why is the stock market because that the stock market enables people to go uh, to to become wealthy or broke overnight you know, which God doesn't have the time anymore to give a guy, you know, come back, you know, and, and, and make him suffer or take too long or uh, make him wealthy because then he's got to open a business and it takes years for customers to come. You don't have to do that. You just do a stock market. You can go, you can become wealthy overnight. You can become broke overnight. See, God can administer justice. So is, is another question. So you have that, you know, you have a lot of, you have a lot of uh, institu institutions <coughs> that have been placed in order to accelerate the process. And our level in is based solely on our mitzvahs, and then the Averas are taken care of by the suffering? Or yes. Or is it based mm. on a combination? No, 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 no. I want to uh, no, 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 no. Averas, you pay for, it's over. It's mitzvahs only in Oilam Habo. But to get Oilam Habo, I once spoke about that, you know. Uh, to get Oilam Habo, you need uh, you, got, you, you cannot walk into Ilm Habo with any Avera. Any. Right. So it's got, there has to be a complete 100% cleansing. And then the Ilm Habo is based on your mitzvahs and all the effects that you've had helping other people, kids. I mean, there's this enormous amount of things that go into But everything that is good, that's the Ilm Habo is merited. Yes. You know? How is it possible... This this time right now is kind of like the minor corrections to make sure everyone is baseline, right? To make sure everyone is is all cleaned up and ready to go, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. The problem is people are constantly doing. I mean, for me at least, you know, people are still doing chatayim, whatever on whatever level. Yeah. And the din is perfection at the end of time. So at the end of the day, Hashem could, so to speak, have cleaned him from previous infractions, yeah. but then the next day he did like five more of errors. Yeah, but then there's Gehenna after he dies, right? So clean up the rest, <coughs> right? Then, but, but let's say people who are alive at the time the Mashiach comes. Fifteen minutes ago, he just did a chait on whatever mantra, even if it's a teeny little chait, it has to be answered for yeah, so, uh, I mean... You mean Hashem will figure it out? He'll, yeah, it's, that's all part of the Cheshman, you know. He hasn't revealed to me that plan, you know, exactly. <laughs> I say, you know, but uh, 
Look, like I say, you know, you can't get into Olam Haba until you are completely clean. And he will make sure that everybody is completely clean. You know? You have a share in the Chet Uh Yeah, I'm sure I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you understand now what the Chet was. Because the Jews at that point in time were like Odom region before the Chet. They did it. It was astounding. It took hundreds of years, that's true. But it was just incredible. And they, they missed the chance. It's, it's, you know, you realize the terrible well, tragedy. Line, unfortunately, they, they, they proved that the Yidin really didn't want to de avoid the Zara, at least to begin with. There was the air problem yeah. who were involved. But they allowed that to happen. Look, whatever happen. culpability God, obviously, you know, they didn't do it. It was just a, because when you look at how many people died, it was just a couple of thousand. You know, so if everybody did it, why, you know, and the answer is they allowed it. You know, you can't do that. I once spoke about that, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I spoke about that in terms of the Congress. They don't realize something. Uh, that God will hold you accountable even if you are a hundred places away from the chain of causality. You know, if in some way you are responsible, you know, even if you didn't do it or whatever, you are held accountable. Not in the same measure as the guy who did it, obviously, you know. And that's what I said. <clears throat> Every day that that wall, as what you remember in the Mexican border wall, that's why these guys in Congress are going to be slaughtered. They have no idea what's going to happen to them. Because every day that somebody dies, and there are hundreds of people that die daily from drug overdoses that come from Mexico, you see. <clears throat> and a border wall, of course, can stop it. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer, right? And so on, you know. Everybody that dies because the Congress doesn't want to put money for a war, which is a joke, right? They don't realize that they are part of the causal chain of culpability. And they will be punished severely because we're looking here, the, the sin that they will be guilty of contributing to is death. It's murder. They will be held as murderers in whatever, in, in whatever distance they are from death itself. You know, the guy who sold him the drugs, I mean, he's obviously, <coughs> he sold him the drugs, you know. But the fact that they, they, they didn't prevent that, they're murderers. In, 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 the, in the chain of that sin, they will be held accountable. They have no idea what's about to happen to them. It's an insane people, you know. Uh, it just shows you human life is worth garbage, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, and it's my content, same thing. When, you know, we do not know the estimate of a human being. If one Arab kills one Jew, you know, right now what happened, 700 missiles, a whole bunch of Jews died, people don't realize the, the life of that Jew is infinite. You know, it, it, that's what I'm saying, like I said that, Tanya has no idea. What, what he's going to get because he could have stopped that you know what I'm saying years ago and so on you know uh, and it's like life is worth nothing to most people like 500 people died ah too bad you know what do you mean one life we have no understanding what that is how valuable that is to God so if somebody is guilty of being part of that causal chain where somebody dies you know, I feel sorry for that person. When the justice comes down, he has no concept of what's going to hit him. And I'm talking about the whole U.S. Congress, because all of them play that part. Trump's latest move. What was his latest move? With his tariff. Well, Mexico. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, five percent. So keep going up till twenty-five. Well, yeah, yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah. He's right. He's right. What, what are they doing in Mexico? If they allow these people to come and go through the borders. It's astounding, you know, and, 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 and of course the Democrats are screaming, what do you mean, blah, blah, you know, because <clears throat> they don't understand what a human life is, you know, and Mexico allows people to go from Honduras, wherever you guys are coming from, you know, and to Guatemala, <coughs> all the way up to that and invade the U.S. and uh, you know how many criminals, uh, you know, they don't realize how high of Mesa they are. If one guy comes from Guatemala who's a criminal, gets into the U.S. and then kills somebody, which is what happens, right? Uh, then the whole Mexico is Chayav Misa. It's astounding. They don't understand that. Because they allowed this guy to get in. They didn't murder the guy, of course, and they, they certainly would have held that. He shouldn't murder. That's not the problem. But they are part of the causal chain. They could have prevented it. They didn't. So that, when that guy now enters the United States from Mexico and kills people or rapes women or whatever he does, and this goes on all the time, you know, uh, then anybody in Mexico who allowed these people to go through and had the power to stop them, right, is part of the causal chain of death. These people have no idea what they're playing around with. 